Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. Today, our guest is Brian Kaplan, the VP, General Manager, and Head of Sales for Axiom. Axiom is rewriting the law firm business model. With 1,500 employees, 16 offices, and five centers of excellence, they are the largest tech-enabled provider of legal contracts and provide compliance solutions to organizations, including the largest of enterprises. Brian has 15 years of international business development and leadership experience. He currently leads the business development and account management function and separately the attorney recruitment retention function across Axiom's three service lines, insourcing, outsourcing, and projects. Brian, I've given our listeners some insight into your role and background. Can you expand on what I've said and give us a glimpse into who you are personally? Sure. And thank you for that. Well, I've been in business development and sales leadership roles, as you mentioned, for the better part of 15 years, mostly in the professional services industry, the consulting world for about 10 years, and here at Axiom in the legal services world for just over just over six years. I uh, have always had an interest and a passion for the law. Uh, started out very early in my career in law as a paralegal, thinking I wanted to go to law school, but spent two years in, in, in big law, I saw firsthand some of what some of those inefficiencies looked like and decided to go a slightly different path, but I always have had the interest and found my way back into the industry here with Axiom. Even on a personal note, couldn't get too far away from the law as I, I married an, an attorney. I've always had an interest and a passion for what's happening here in the industry, and, and it's fun to be kind of in the center of change uh, here at Axiom. Great lead into our first question. You know, what makes Axiom the Axiom model unique for the clients? And then what makes it unique for the lawyers that are part of your model? Well, why don't I uh, attack those somewhat somewhat separately? Because I think it's slightly different answers for, for both. On the client side, we've always leverage technology to really modernize the delivery of legal services. Early on in our inception, 16 years ago, we, we did this by simply plugging Axiom attorneys into clients' existing infrastructure, looking to handle complex, sophisticated legal work, either on-site or remotely leveraging technology. You know, this has been a, a major way in which we've helped clients for many years, and it really has helped them rein in costs and help the in-house team transition from a traditional kind of fixed structure paradigm to one that's a little bit more elastic and flexible. You know, while this is still a critical part of what we do, the last few years, we've been looking to help companies pioneer more of a tech-enabled model for contracting, which we can talk more about, which you know, we believe points to the industrialization of legal services as really a new, a new best practice. On the lawyer side, We've been a real pioneer in, in creating what we like to call a third way uh, for attorneys to practice, going beyond what has been really the traditional choice between private practice or in-house. Uh, we offer a really distinctive career proposition that trying to ensure sophisticated and really high-caliber attorneys can continue to do blue-chip work with a high degree of self-determination over their career, which is which is pretty unique. Axiom attorneys, we hope they have long and successful careers with us, will experience a really wide range of, of different 
different types of clients secondments and they get to opt in and out of these engagements rather than being forced to take them and can even work flexibly taking time off as needed. Very unique proposition. It poses an interesting question. Are most of the lawyers that are part of the Axiom model working on a shared time basis? Are they of counsel for other firms? Are they, are they doing their own thing or are the majority of them really working almost full time for Axiom? The latter. I would say, you know, greater than 90% of our attorneys are full-time, working full-time for one client by Axiom. They are employees of Axiom. They are salaried. We provide them with benefits. And they come to us as a career destination. Uh, so this is not something they're generally doing off the sides of their desk. Uh, they are not working for other providers. They are coming to Axiom for a career and then working in-house, seconded to various client teams across their career. And in fact, we take a lot of pride in the fact that we have a number of our uh, initial attorneys that joined us way back in 2000 are still with, still with Axiom today. What are you hearing from the clients about the Axiom model? I mean, what are some of the more frequent things you hear about how clients value the service your organization provides? I think it's a couple of things. I think one, they really value our dedication to what we call the business of law and compliance. Of course, they value our, our cost scale, the fact that we've stripped out a lot of the inefficiencies that come with a traditional law firm, that being kind of pyramid partnership structure and, and the overhead costs that come with a traditional law firm. We cost significantly less than that of a traditional firm, and they, they for sure value that. They value the elasticity and flexibility we offer their internal team. I think they value the efficiency of solutions we provide, but I think above all, they value that Axiom really understands that legal is not a bubble onto itself. It operates within the broader business. And as a result, its decisions, outcomes, and limitations are really influenced by and, and really impact the greater corporate structure. And I think we bring that mindset to everything that we do. Getting a little bit more specific in our contracting business, I think clients really value our vision that contracts are more than just legal paperwork. And yes, we absolutely help companies improve contracting velocity and efficiency using technology and process. But beyond that, I think clients really value our view that contractual information, the data contained within contracts, is really an, an enterprise-wide asset that can help companies you know, really support decision-making across the business to drive revenue and, and, and drive better controls. One of our clients, for example, has really valued our, our kind of broader vision to harness and leverage the information that's contained within their contract to drive greater, greater business value. Finally, I would say they just really value the mindset that our attorneys bring to the table every day. Our attorneys are known for being very commercially minded. Much of that is in how we recruit. We look for attorneys that bring that commercial mindset to the table. But then when they get here, we try to reinforce that by offering them really top-class business education, you know, in addition to the kind of professional ongoing legal education that you would expect. We, we have a executive education program, which is offered uh, in partnership with McKinsey. Uh, we call it the McKinsey Academy that provides some of our attorneys with, you know, an MBA-like certification that covers various subjects from business strategy to risk to just effective communication. So I think quite a few things here that clients say they really value about, about the Axiom model. 
It sounds fantastic. Everything I've read about it definitely supports that. Your explanation around being able to offer something that's different to clients, it really sounded like there was a real focus on data. Is that an accurate summary of that? Increasingly so. In our contracts business, our our outsourcing or managed services business, where Axiom is often taking on a discrete part of a client's contracting function. This could be the end-to-end intake and negotiation of various types of contracts from NDAs to general commercial contracts. Sure, that contracting process, there's a lot of efficiency and improvement that can be driven there. Beyond that, we believe there's a lot of data that lives that lives within contracts, which is not being taken advantage of. And that can be, you know, general commercial terms, uh, that could be, you know, just risk uh, mitigating factors that need to be identified, a whole variety of the data that lives inside your contracts that are just not being harnessed appropriately uh, by clients and you know with technology. Technology, you can now really get into that data and the metadata uh, to, you know, in a more real-time way, really understand what's what's happening within your business. Which, as we know, businesses are are run on contracts. You know, we hear the words disruptor, we hear the words innovative when we talk about the Axiom model. It's a more mature business today and doing well. What do you feel is innovative today about the Axiom model? When we first started, we were looked at looked at as an innovator simply as a result of our business model, right? Kind of stripping out what we believe are the superfluous costs of a traditional law firm, as I mentioned before, the pyramid partnership structure, the overhead, etc. Other firms have have now done that. So I think you know, really now our focus on innovation and disruption is is really about going from you know what we call the artisanal way of providing legal services to increasingly what's becoming the industrialization of legal services. So just to give you an example or some more detail, law firms and, and in-house law departments are artisanal by culture and, and by nature. And that worked, I think, for many years. But as time has gone on, many of the challenges that they face are really now increasingly volume-centric in nature. Of course, there's still extraordinary bet-the-company matters that you know require that artisanal approach, that require the infrastructure of a large law firm and kind of highly specialized approach to a solution. But for the rest of the industry and the work, I, we believe that it's time to kind of remove that reliance on the application of individual judgment, which doesn't always apply, and instead focus on really application of rules and process that's informed by collective judgment and knowledge capture resulting from having engaged in that same activity hundreds, if not thousands of times. Again, contracting is a really great example here. We've tried to bring a focus on industrialization as a result, shows in our talent base. So while we have you know over a thousand attorneys globally now, our employee base now includes technologists, former engineers, data and analytics experts, process engineers, you know, a, a really wide variety of talent and subject matter experts that you know we put to work depending on what it is that, that needs to be done. The combination of this various disciplines means that we don't focus purely on the delivery of, of legal work, but we, we're looking to fundamentally re-engineer how that work is done, the strategy, process, and execution that's applied to get the work done. So 
innovation and disruption for us now is really about how legal work is getting done, not just the model for doing it. Fantastic. Lead into this next question, which really talks about growth. Axiom has been growing internationally and expanding, finding based on that last explanation, what really makes the model unique, creates a differentiator. Where does Axiom see growth in the next few years, next five years, 10 years? I think it'll be a combination of, of geographic expansion and then organic growth with in existing businesses. From a geographic perspective, we continue to expand, especially outside the U.S. So we, we recently opened our sixth international office in Toronto last month. That's our 16th office overall. And we're continuing to expand our European footprint as well with most notably a new office in Frankfurt that should come online later this year, probably sometime towards the end of Q2. And I think you'll see a continued pace of of global expansion. We see a lot of opportunity outside the U.S. as well as a couple other markets in, in the U.S. So that growth will be evident as well in our employee base. We're over 1,500 people today. That comp- The attorneys, the other professionals I mentioned previously, process engineers, technologists, etc. And we don't see that growth slowing down. We now are the largest just hirer of legal talent worldwide. Uh, but then beyond that, I think it's really going to be about growing our relationships with our clients. So while we've historically had very strong secondment-based relationships with these clients, which will continue to grow, we'll look to expand our services and offerings to them going beyond these secondment solutions to uh, more comprehensive contracting solutions, helping them with large project-driven work, uh, especially work driven by compliance, regulations, and, and kind of corporate events. So uh, geographic growth will, will, will uh, definitely continue, but I think you'll see a lot of just organic growth by expanding the range of services that we can offer to existing clients. Fantastic. As, of course, you expand internationally and creates other opportunities as well. Absolutely. While we serve companies of all sizes, the majority of our clients are large, global, multinational organizations with global legal departments who have needs across the world. We want to be well positioned to serve them in each market because you're right, the needs that they have can differ pretty greatly by market. So, Brian, a guest on Left Foot recently commented that ethics rules and rules of professional conduct require that counsel know how to use and be competent in the use of technology. In your opinion, how challenging is this for lawyers, especially those that are more seasoned? And do you see this as a real differentiator for the folks that are at Axiom, assuming that the majority of your legal professionals are not, you know, the most seasoned in the market? I think the issue is less that lawyers are averse or unfamiliar with technology. I think Really, it's the firms themselves, the firms that many of these lawyers grow up in are, without question, really conservative when it comes to using technology. You know, if you look at over the last decade, just about every industry has had to leverage technology to fundamentally change its means of of production in the way of delivering services, especially in pursuit of delivering a consistent, high-quality product in an efficient way. Significant swaths of the half a trillion dollar legal industry are on the hook to produce volumes and volumes of quality information and contracts. The fact is, I think the industry has really remained stuck, really stubbornly holding on to this very artificial artisanal approach of, of providing legal services. I think the result of this are just skyrocketing costs, you know, really limited visibility and definitely suboptimal risk management. I, I think it's less about 
the the people themselves and really more about the process and the industry as a whole. That is why so much of our time and effort here is to make technology not the only solution here because we believe that technology is a piece of the puzzle is a piece of the solution for delivering more more efficient legal services. It's also around the process that comes with that and ensuring that your people kind of understand how to leverage how to leverage the technology and the process. The legal universe is fairly risk averse community as I'm, as I'm sure you know. We do believe that that change is coming. Uh, I think a lot of it is also being driven by by clients. And I think technology is going to have more widespread adoption over the next, you know, call it three to five years, you know, as companies really start to embrace and, and understand how technology can have a bigger impact on what they're doing. To your question on, on our attorney base, it's actually quite mixed. While absolutely we have a fair amount of what, what you might call millennials, a large portion of our attorneys are pretty seasoned, 10 plus years of, of experience. I would say the, the adoption of technology is accelerating across the board, not just those with, with less experience. I think at least from Axiom perspective, you know, we're seeing that uptick in adoption of, of technology, mostly because we require it. But I think that change, people are starting to accept it, realize it, and, and, and adopt it. I've talked to so many attorneys who vouch technology, about e-discovery, about comfort level. This just happened to me recently. Someone said, technology doesn't have ideas. Technology is, can't be creative. A little bit of a defensive response. I agree with you that it's, it's more the firm versus the you know, the actual specific individual, what the firm requires or asks for or provides that leads the firm either to be more comfortable with technology or not. Look, I think absolutely there is still some legal work where technology won't be part of the solution, where it is going to require the judgment and, you know, again, what we call artisanal approach to a solution. And that will always be the case. And by no means are we advocating to change that. Our view, however, is that approach has been applied historically to portions of legal work where that's just not required. It's just not necessary. And this is where our technology and, and, and process management and project management really can come into play. It's, it's about you know, applying the right model and the right personnel uh, and the right process for the right type of work. It's no longer a one-size-fits-all model. Brian, as a business development leader, as someone who's done business development, which of your personal strengths or habits have helped you in your success? Good question. Uh, I think there've been a couple of things. Having been in in business development for in the majority of my career now, I think one thing I found is you really have to navigate the highs and lows that come with this type of career. When you're on a good roll, you need to under, realize that you're you're probably not not quite as good as you think. Uh, when you're having a tough a tough quarter, you have to realize that it's probably not that bad, and things will turn around. I mean, uh, sales and business development is a roller coaster, uh, and you have to be up for that ride and 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 really learn how to navigate the highs and lows because because otherwise uh, it could it can be a stressful stressful career. It's all about the long view. I think if you are too focused on short-term results, short-term outputs, especially when it comes to client relationships, um, yeah, you might get a quick win here or there, but ultimately, um, in the, in the long run, it will not pay off. So, taking a long view and having you know really a, a vision for where you want to go with your client relationships, I think, is really important. Preparation, preparation, preparation. 
for everything you do, whether it's for a big client meeting, whether it's strategy, I think ensuring that you can carve out time to properly prepare for anything you are doing that is client related is really key. I think on the flip side, clients are increasingly so well prepared and well versed in what you do. There's so much information out there. Uh, they come to the table having done so much research already. You need to match that. Uh, it's a, the, the, the paradigm has really shifted in the kind of client buyer relationship. And then finally, I, I've always been very direct and very transparent with clients uh, and with my team. Uh, I've always felt that um, uh, sometimes uh, they might not like the answer or, or, or the response, um, but that's okay. I'd rather uh, get that out there, be honest with them. They know where they stand. We know where we stand. Uh, and, and it generally makes for uh, just a more effective relationship with clients overall. Are you a believer in a particular growth strategy or methodology, challenger, or what Aaron Ross has happening with predictive revenue? Is there a, a program like that that you feel is, you know, a- applicable in in the space that you're in? Well, you've, you've mentioned two things that are very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Challenger, I spent 10 years at, at CEB, the corporate executive board, which is a slightly biased party there. We don't necessarily subscribe with Challenger, the overall Challenger process here at Axiom. There are elements of it uh, that we do subscribe to, especially around the need to really teach something to your clients, bring value to every conversation without a doubt. Aaron Ross, in particular, predictable revenue, 100% uh, we 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 subscribe to a lot of the tenants in that book, so we have really specialized uh, the the sales funnel here at Axiom. Everything from leveraging digital marketing at the top of the funnel to lead generation uh, just below to generate client meetings to specialized sales and account management. So specialization within our sales funnel has been really critical to our success at Axiom, uh, especially. A across the past 24 months, we've really sought to bring a more traditional B2B sales approach to legal uh, here, especially in, in the U.S. Uh, and, and, and as a result, I think that's been a, a big factor for, for our growth. You and I agree 100% because I think the challenger model is fantastic, but you know, elements of it applied depending on your business and where you are in your, your life cycle is likely to be the more successful approach. And, and I have to say, after I listened to Aaron's book, Predictable Revenue, he actually has been a guest on Left Foot and, and really just talked through how he approached. It will be a changing approach and one that likely was going to occur. And he was in the right place to go out and, and tell people, hey, this is going to happen. Get ready to focus and use technology and, and create inbound. Brian, in your role at Axiom as a as a leader, is there a particular success story that you feel would be valuable for our listeners who are primarily looking to either improve the way they go to market, generate additional business, or are just really on the beginning of the process of learning how to do business development? Well, I think to the point we were just discussing, the the quicker and sooner you can specialize the various components of the sales funnel, the better. Uh, I think when you try to condense it all, all the steps into one role, um, uh, that's just hard. Uh, now I realize it's it's more expensive to specialize, and so it takes a bit of scale to do that. But the sooner you can do that, especially at the top of the funnel, the better. Uh, I think second, 
as you look to you know create a, a, a foothold inside a key client or develop a key client relationship, finding your advocate, your coach inside, you know, as I think about some of our key client relationships here, they started with really one person. Now, one person who attached to our model, attached to something we did for them, was able to become a real advocate for us inside the organization and coach on how to grow that relationship. Sometimes it took years to find that advocate inside the organization. And sometimes it came very quickly where we have a really strong, large global relationship right now. It started with one person inside the organization who really helped uh, uh, tell the Axiom story and build our brand inside their legal or compliance department. And then we could grow it from there. So, and you don't always know where that's going to come from. Uh, it's, 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 it's often, it, you're often surprised about, about uh, who will actually end up being that advocate. But I think finding that is is really key. Finally, to the point I made before, taking that taking that long view. Uh, of course, you need to hit short-term uh, targets and goals, whether those be quarterly or annually, and 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 I get that. Uh, but I think especially with, with your key client relationships, taking the long view is really important. Having a vision for where you want to get to uh, uh, by the end of the year, two, three, four years, et cetera. Uh, I think that is really important and, and it will, should really drive the approach and strategy that, that you take to that client. absolutely agree that really is that specialization and just so critical, you know, be organized around this and not just the word I don't like is wing it, but, you know, to be very predictive, frankly, about how you're going to go to market, what your approach is. And the next question really has to do with changing market conditions. How has the organization adjusted based on how the market's changing? And my assumption is that the market's changing in in your direction with shared services and people becoming much more comfortable working through different types of employment models and contracting models. How has Axiom addressed changing market conditions? You're exactly right. I think we've seen more change in the legal industry in the last 10 years than we saw in the previous 100. Uh, So it's been a really exciting time to be a part of that. Absolutely. Clients are more open to alternative service providers uh, across you know, all aspects of their in-house legal department. And it's getting more competitive. Uh, you know, we're seeing competitors uh, rise up uh, across the globe. I think on the whole, that's a good thing. Uh, anyone that is uh, kind of telling a, a story that is different from the traditional way of providing legal services, I think, wonderful thing for the industry. Uh, that's required us to absolutely uh, improve our game and, and, and approach uh, to the market. Uh, I think uh, it's required us to look at alternative approaches to uh, deliver legal services, uh, which in some cases includes even partnering with traditional law firms uh, and coming to the market with solutions where we can take the best of both of those models. Uh, It's required us to uh, even improve on 
the, the processes that we've put in place today to help clients with large projects and with their contracting function. So looking to either use a greater use of technology or increasingly offshore or nearshore resources. So looking to leverage uh, labor that uh, exists outside the U.S., which is equally talented and high caliber, but slightly lower cost. So, so we've seen some changes in the way in which we deliver our services as a result of increasing competition. But I think on the whole, the market conditions have really been uh, helpful to to our growth and, and I think the change in industry overall. Yeah, and I think it, it really has helped generally with acceptance. This isn't the only industry that is, you know, experiencing change and, and having to embrace it. The clients are accepting it and and really embracing it because they're experiencing it themselves. Brian, many of our listeners are millennial, mobile, and global. What advice would you provide to those that are starting out either in the legal space or have interest in a company like Axiom providing legal services? What advice would you give them as they start out in their career? Uh, it sounds like many of my team members as well. And and many of them, most of them, in fact, don't have a legal background. So for us, we don't see that necessarily as a, as a prerequisite. A few pieces of advice. One, continue to challenge the status quo, especially in this industry. It's what's driving change. But at the same time, probably don't have all the answers. So keep an open mind. I think patience is so key in this industry, especially the way it's changed and is changing. I think you're going to have some clients who embrace this change really quickly, running to the solutions that you provide and, and others uh, will take longer. So uh, patience, patience, patience is really key. Uh I don't think this last this piece will be hard, but continuing to embrace technology, right? I think that's probably a strength uh, of this of this group. But embracing technology and its role in delivering more efficient legal work, I think, will be uh, really key as as they seek to get their their career started. Yeah. Very helpful, very direct. You have a lot of energy around what you do. It, it comes through in your voice. What do you enjoy most about the work you do at Axiom? Besides being really at the center of change in the industry, this is a company that really embraces initiative. Some of our best ideas have come from relatively junior team members, inexperienced team members who had an idea that they were empowered to take through, which has then come to fruition, which is which is wonderful. On top of that, we've We've built a team that really embodies and lives our our core values. We have four core values as a company. Call them fresh, committed, irresistible, and thoughtful. We use those values when we hire. We use those values uh, when we performance manage and do performance reviews. And I think it really comes through every day. And I think the result is a group of just really dynamic individuals who are passionate about what Axiom is trying to do in the industry and, 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 you know, really a part of the change that we're trying to drive. And it's just a fun place to be. We, we've got a wonderful office here in the heart of Soho in, in New York city, open plan. When you, when you walk in our office, you would not think, wow, this is a company that provides legal services. Uh, it's just a very different, uh, environment that, that fosters teamwork and collaboration and just really about as different from the four walls of a traditional law firm that, that you can get. So, uh, it's, it's, it is actually a pleasure to come into the office every day. Thank you. Any last points you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? 
it, it's a just a really exciting time to be in the industry. Uh, disruption is accelerating. It's showing up in all corners of the globe. Uh, and as I mentioned before, I think we've, we've seen more change in the last 10 years than the previous 100 combined. And I think the next 10 years, we'll see more change than what we've just experienced in the last 10. So uh, just a really fun time to be to be in this industry. Brian, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest on Left Foot. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. Be sure to visit www.leftfoot.net to access show notes, sign up for our weekday series, and embrace what it means to lead with the left foot. 